Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 156. Today we've got with us a prolific member of the WordPress community, Carrie Dills. Carrie, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I am based out of Fort Worth, Texas. Historically, I've done front-end web development, and over this past year or so, I have moved more into teaching others how to do web development and have their own uh, freelance business. Excellent. I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan Denwood. Jonathan? Terrific. Carrie, Perfect. Like that, terrific. Well, she is the queen. Come on, John. She is the queen of Genesis. Uh, uh, <laughs> not sure she likes that, but no, I think it sounds quite good, doesn't it, Gary? Um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. I'll be offended if they called me the queen of WP Tonic. Uh, um, but, uh, um, uh, I'm the founder. We're a WordPress maintenance service company. We're a boutique. We'll look after you like you are one of our friends. That's right. And I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. I help blue-collar businesses with their WordPress uh, situations, specifically local SEO and WooCommerce integrations. Uh, diving right in, uh, you know, for those of, that don't know you uh, yet, Carrie, tell us a little bit about your, you know, your origin story in, in web development and how you got to where you are present day. Sure. Uh, so I think it maybe a lot of people can identify with this that you didn't start out looking to do web development, but you find out, you know how to do a little HTML, you know how to do some CSS and all of a sudden people are hiring you and giving you money uh, to make them websites. And when people are giving you money, you don't want to stop. Uh, so I, I went that path a, a good long while and worked for uh, both agencies and as a freelancer, helping clients get their websites online. Uh, and then decided I was kind of done with that for a while Took a career diversion for most of my 20s, uh, complete, completely emulated. And then uh, somebody told me about WordPress, and it piqued my curiosity to the extent that now five years later, I'm, I'm doing that full time. Uh, so, yes, I love, I love uh, working with WordPress, and, um, and then I found that it's really uh, – uh, what's the word? I guess rewarding would be the word, but teaching other people how to do uh, what I've already spent a career doing, uh, it's very satisfying. Uh, so, and since you've been involved in the WordPress community, especially in the last like five or six years, as, as you've observed it from all different um, you know positions, how, how has the WordPress ecosystem changed overall in recent years? Uh, it seems like, by the way, your, your screen is frozen on me, John. I don't, uh, hopefully you can hear me. All it's right. probably, it's, yeah, it's probably my Wi-Fi. Okay. Or, or it could be my Wi-Fi. I'm usually always throwing bad Wi-Fi at podcasts. It's my special talent that I bring to shows. Uh, you're crystal so- clear, clear <laughs> Kerry, visually and audio as well. Oh, I, that's an interesting question. I think in this past 
I mean, it's sort of been, I don't some people have likened it to the Wild West where, you know, anyone can hang out a shingle and provide WordPress services. And we're in, there's no formal training or certification or um, anything of that nature. So it's really anyone who, who wants to offer services and products in this space can. And I think that's what I saw when I started five years ago. And you had to have some level of baseline knowledge to even weed out uh, the good from the bad in terms of like plugins or themes. And I still don't know that I have that down pat, but, uh, and what I've seen over the, um, this past year is kind of a consolidation of that. So fewer, like the, if you look at framework, so Jonathan Moore talked about Genesis, but uh, the the theme framework landscape has narrowed down to just, you know, those that top handful of uh, players and a lot of um, plugins are getting and services are getting bought up by bigger. So, you know, GoDaddy buys managed WP, uh, Automatic buys WooCommerce. Um, so I don't know, I'm, I'm probably going off the rails a little bit on your question, but <clears throat> it's the, the landscape has changed significantly, uh, in that regard. So it's, well, who, who knows where this year will go. Would you say the bar is getting higher for people to, um, actually like make a full-time living in, in WordPress, like bef- like you said before, you know, in the early days, it might have been the Wild West and anybody with a little bit of HTML and CSS knowledge could, you know, uh, carve out a living. But nowadays, is it getting a little bit, um, is the competition a little bit tougher? Is it just the bar of knowledge that you have to have like a little bit higher? I don't know. Like, I think if when we talk about the WordPress community and all of us, or, you know, the three of us and probably the, everybody listening to the show is part of that, you know, bubble that we think of as the WordPress community. And within that, I think the bar has definitely been raised. But if you look outside of this bubble of us, I mean, there's somebody in some small town somewhere that's making a living building websites for local businesses or, you know, friends, family, whatnot. Uh, They don't even know there is a WordPress community. They, you know, they're existing outside that and, you know, possibly earning a living. I don't have any uh, statistics or or real life stories on that, but uh, I, I don't know. I think people probably can, but I just think our perception in the WordPress community specifically is that if you want to be a big player, you've got to up your game. No, and I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. I think the, you know, kind of the community that that we hang in is, as my friend Mario Peshev has said before, it's the 1% of the 1%. Um, and, and the actual community is, like, so vast, it's... Uh, you know, there's like tons of people that are that are probably you know carving out a living. And in fact, I know that like there's tons of web agencies that aren't really like involved in the in what we think of as the, the WordPress community, but they're doing just fine. So um, there is probably a lot of truth to that. Um, so you know, here's a question too: if, if for the people who are just starting out. Either WordPress entrepreneurs building a product, building a theme, or selling services uh, around WordPress. What, what advice would you give them? Ooh, find what find the part that you like to do and do that part, 
and then outsource everything else. <laughs> uh, in other words, don't be a jack of all trades, which is what I've spent most of my career doing. And, you know, when you have your own business, of course, you got to wear a lot of different hats. I mean, you can outsource maybe things like accounting, but um, like I realize, I hate design. Design is, it, it is stressful to me. There's no joy in my sitting in with a blank Photoshop palette forever. But give me a code editor and I'm having fun and I'm figuring things out. Uh, and once I realized that about myself, that it was okay to hire out those pieces that brought me no joy, uh, it kind of freed me up to still be um, making money involved in projects, doing, but I was doing the things that I really love to do. So I would say figure out what those things are that you love to do. And instead of trying to learn everything there is to learn about web development and web design, pick an area of interest for you. I think that's excellent. Yeah. Don't get overwhelmed. Um, I will say that too, like finding a focus is, is really a key to uh, running a sustainable business. Um, well, you know, how is that journey? Uh, but the only thing, that, I'm sorry to interrupt slightly, but Kerry, no, there are reasons why that happens, isn't it? You know, especially when you're dealing with small local businesses, the margins are so low that um, for you to make any kind of living, you tend to want to do everything or you got to do everything basically, don't you? Yeah, and I, I don't think that's a bad way to start out. I would venture to say that's where most people start out. Um, and until you have an experience of sort of doing that whole soup to nuts, uh, you know, start to end web project, uh, you might not even know all the different things involved. Um, so it does take some experimentation and experience to know what you like and don't like. But I, yeah, I think you're right in those smaller situations uh, there is no budget to hire a designer. So, you know, you're using maybe a out-of-the-box theme or, uh, you know, you are going after it solo. Yeah, it's it's difficult. But on the other hand, I, I do agree with you. I think in the end, trying to be that person that does everything will lead to kind of um, semi, you going semi-bonkers, as we say in England. Um, you go bonkers, wouldn't you? Um, at some stage, I think you do have to specialise, really. Well, you don't have to, but you'd be advised to, wouldn't you? Are you going to reply to that, Kerry? Or not? Oh, I, I would just nod my head in agreement. <laughs> I like the word bonkers. I might use that. Adopt it. Yes, I would as well. Um, um, sorry, John, I interrupted, didn't I? Oh, no, that's cool. Um, you know... Uh, and what you say, like, you know, finding focus, I, I think for you, I, I, I look at you and um, I, I see someone who is like carved out like a lot of different uh, revenue streams, like over the years, you know, how, how, how each of those things that you, you've done, you know, uh, you know, how did each of those come about? Was that just something you set out to do or is it just something that, that kind of uh, happened? Sure. Uh so there's been some things that were completely unintentional <laughs> and then some intentional moves as well. But uh, you know, really blogging was the start of everything for me. Uh, and 
the, uh, I guess it was through Studio Press since I was using so many of their products and I was writing so many tutorials specific to their products. Uh, I learned that they had an affiliate program. And prior to this, I didn't even, uh, the word affiliate program meant nothing to me. I didn't even know what that was. Um, but I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm talking about these products anyways. I can use these links and, you know, get a little, a uh, few pennies on the side if somebody buys that product through my link. Um, so I was like, yay, that's a big incentive to blog right there. Uh, and realizing that affiliate revenue could actually be a significant source of revenue uh, if I was investing my time and continuing to publish content. Um, that was kind of how that one came about. It's like, it was like fun money on the side. Um, oh gosh. When I, after that probably came uh, the teaching and actually, no, no, no. Before that probably came the podcast, uh, podcasting and sponsorships, uh, getting people to fund or underwrite the production of the podcast was, uh, that's been another revenue stream. I can't say that that one has been, uh, it's not highly profitable. It's more of a break even sort of thing, but, uh, podcasting in here, I'm going to ramble outside of the question you asked me, but podcasting has been a really wonderful way to, uh, build my brand and funnel, uh, folks back into, uh, my website and some of the other things that I have going on online. Um, but the teaching, uh, you, you know, I guess it was maybe about two years ago, three years ago. It was, it was when all the value based pricing, everybody was talking about value based pricing, this and value based pricing that and create passive income. And you know, like, what is this mythical creature called passive income? Um, and it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a- like the Loch Ness monster, uh, it's it's an internet fairy tale, isn't it? It's a yeah. lot of work to make passive income. Yeah, yeah. Which oh, now I'm totally going to derail. But at the beginning yeah. of Pat Flynn's podcast, Smart Passive Income, he actually says, passive uh, income. You "Work hard, <laughs> work hard now, so that you can sit back and enjoy the benefits later." And I think that's probably a really good definition of passive income because there's you do invest a lot of work up front. Um, but back to your question, John, uh, teaching has been another source of, uh, of revenue that I've carved out. Uh, and that's sort of a long-term play, if you will. So instead of getting all the money up front, it's, uh, you know, a commission structure that happens over time. But the primary, uh, the reason behind wanting to carve out those additional revenue streams kind of came out of that, uh, I guess, era of everybody talking about value-based pricing and realizing that I was trading my time for money and I was running out of time. So there was this cap of the income I could make. Uh, plus, I was, I've been doing client services. I've done this for so many years that I needed a little bit of variety <laughs> in my work life. So finding, so doing these, uh, pursuing some of these other avenues was a way to accomplish both of those things to not have to rely solely on client revenue. Cause right. There's the ups and downs, the feast and famines uh, that most of us experience um, and finding those other revenue sources uh, allowed me to sort of fill in those gaps and also uh, stay interested in my work by changing things up. That was a long winded answer. 
No, that's cool. Oh, that was short. That was short compared to some of my rambles, Kerry. (laughs) (laughs) God, John. John will testify to that when I really start to No, and and something interesting that you said, like you know, because you have you're really well known for like having courses on Linda. I mean, you're known for a lot of things, but really, the one word that I think of when I think of Carrie Dills is a teacher. Um, you teach people. You've you know done written tutorials. You you know you have your courses with Linda, even you know on the podcast and and through various in seminars talks all these various things you're teaching people, you know, what's the value in, in, in teaching people in, in building a brand, building a name and, and setting yourself up for success. Everything that that's the total value. And not everybody has to, you don't have to do it so formally as to publish a course, but giving away information to other people, um, for one thing, it builds your authority. It establishes you as someone who knows what they're talking about. A second thing is trust. Uh, people can come to you and they're getting value from you without paying a dime. So there's no, it's kind of a no strings attached situation. Um, and you're building this audience that it's at some point, you know, if you do want to offer them something that's a, you know, a, a, a product that would make sense for them, they would, buy from me, right? Because they trust me and they trust the quality of the stuff I do. Um, So that's a huge value. Uh, And then the other value that I don't know if people think about, or I I didn't really think about it until I started teaching formal courses. But when you teach something, you got to know it. Like you can, I think I know things. Like I'm working on a class right now on a mobile or responsive CSS and working with SAS and uh, bourbon. And I use that all the time in my work. It's, I, I would say, of course, yes, I know those things, but when it comes to actually like trying to script out the course and describe and explain and say the why's behind it and like, Oh my gosh, like you're having to learn things on a, a, a deeper level um, which makes me, uh, you know, Im- improves me all the way around. So I would say there's tremendous value in giving away uh, to your, to your audience. No, I think that's true. Like when you teach other people, you really are teaching yourself and you're solidifying, you know, your knowledge because you have to do that in order to teach other people. Um, you know, another thing you just mentioned too, you know, with, with the podcast, uh, which I didn't realize that you, you actually started podcasting before, you, you know, you were doing courses and stuff like that. Um, I actually thought it was the other way around, but um, well, in reason. I'd have to re- date check myself. Yeah. It was the same year. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But, you know, in recent years, you know, and I remember podcasting being kind of a thing like back in the very late 90s. And then it kind of just kind of was there in the background. And then uh, again, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, but, but recently it is really, really taken off. And I think especially like in, in our space and in just the technology space in general, you're seeing all kinds of new podcasts. Um, you know, what kind of, I, I don't know about you, but I, for me, like I get a lot of value out of, talking to so many smart people for, I think for me and Jonathan, both it's, it's like a way to, you know, learn stuff. Um, 
from all these other successful, you know, smart people. Um, but you know, it, what, are, what are your thoughts on just in general, just like the plurif- uh, plurif- proliferation of, <laughs> yeah, I can't talk, sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, just the rise, the ascent of all these different, uh, you know, WordPress podcasts in, in recent years. <laughs> I'm glad that you had your thesaurus going in your brain and can pick out some alternative words there. <laughs> yeah. Pro- yeah, I don't even want to attempt to say anything. <laughs> uh, abominable, abominable. Uh, There's always a word. Yes, it's always it's always something. Uh, I you're so spot on about the value of having all these different guests on the show, and I've met. I mean, I've had a lot of people on the show that were part of my network and I already knew, uh, but through them referring people to me to be on the podcast, like I've, it's just extended my network and introduced me uh, to relationships that I probably would not have otherwise. Uh, and these are really smart people. Um, so it's podcasting is wonderful from that perspective. Um, so yes, if you want to go podcast, start a podcast. The barrier to entry is so low um, right now. The only thing that's difficult is really, and you guys know, this is doing it like showing up when you don't feel like showing up and, uh, you know, and putting in the time. I don't know if, uh, if it's until you do it, you don't realize the time investment that it's involved to actually, uh, you know, record, produce, publish all of, all of those things. I don't mean that to be a discouragement to anybody that's thinking about it, but, uh, I think if you feel like you got something to say, you've got the microphone, press the record button. And, uh, I guarantee there'll be at least one person out there that finds what you have to say interesting. Um, it's just the longevity is the, been the challenging part. Yeah, I think, um, and I think you're not going to make a fortune out of it. I think you, you, you can through sponsorship and other things, make a little bit of money from it. Um, obviously Pat Flynn and some of the top people, do more than that but they're like what at the most one two percent and i would say the majority um it's really hard to, uh, that's like how do how do you balance all this really you know you got your fam, you got your family commitments you got the education you got the podcast and plus you have to do active work um got any tips how to jug- juggle all the balls or none at all really uh, I just completely neglect my family and my personal fitness and the What's laundry. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I was going to start to cry, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is kind of a juggling game. I actually uh, I have a fairly balanced where I work from home um, and not. I've, I've stopped taking on client work, so I'm just working on uh, all of – you know, my various products of teaching and um, yeah. podcasting, et cetera. Uh, I like, uh, I would say, oh God, product, I'm terrible at productivity tips, Jonathan. I don't know. Just get up and do it. Even when you don't feel like it, you got to do it, but give yourself breaks, give yourself a break. And if it's a random Wednesday afternoon and you want to go take a hike, then go take a hike and don't feel guilty about it. Like those I think those investments in uh, making the joke about not investing in them, but in your personal well-being and in the in the well-being of your family, like 
If you get yeah, those well, things yeah, right, it makes the work part easier. Yeah, I think that's great. But um, do you suffer from what I suffer? You know, when I, you know, getting stuff done, you know, when I look at what I've managed to get done to what I was hoping to get done, they very rarely uh, match. But I've realized that everybody feels like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, you're quite normal. Am I? Oh, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> the Queen of Genesis, folks, says I'm quite normal. I take that with Well, it, at least in that regard, you may be bonkers and other. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do? You know, I'd rather be bonkers than boring. <laughs> I'd be quite dreadful about it. It's nothing worse than tedium, is there? Uh, um, and I don't think anybody says I'm tedious. Uh, um, no, so... Um, so you know, what did you think of WordCamp US? I thought, apart from a little bust up about sponsorship, um, I thought it was very um, excellent um, what Matt um, reported and stated. Um, I think there were some extremely positive things about it. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think my... The thing I would get most excited about is for people who that's their first WordCamp experience. Like it's mind blowing to walk into a room of 2000 people that love a particular piece of software and people are giving away t-shirts and buying your lunch and uh, all, and there's just coffee pouring out of every faucet for the, for the taking. I think it's such a wonderful experience for first timers um, to step into that. And then, uh, I, of course I'm, I'm always going to go on the community bent, right? So I spent most of my time in the quote unquote hallway track, uh, meeting new people, catching up with old friends. And I think I made it to a total of two, two and a half sessions. <clears throat> and the half was the Matt's state of the word. And I say half because I watched it live streaming from my hotel room. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, but like for instance uh i whoever i sent out to my uh a email blast to my subscribers and said hey um let me know if you're going to be at wordcamp and bottom in or bottom line to that was about uh 15 of us got together for lunch uh during uh during wordcamp us and these were there's a few of them I'd met in person before, but people I that were complete strangers to me, but they're the people that are on the other end of my newsletter. Uh, and to get to meet those people in real life, just so freaking cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, just the community part itself is amazing. Uh, and then the fact that you get the free t-shirts and you can go to these sessions and, and get really wonderful information is sort of the icing on the cake. I think that's great. I, I like to go on um, after the break about some of the things Matt um, said in the um, statement. Um, but I think we have our break first, John. Is that okay? Yeah, no, I think we're up against it. Uh, when we come back from our break, we're going to be talking more with Carrie Dills, the queen of Genesis. See you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're coming back from the break, and we're once more talking with Carrie Dill's three-time guest, Jonathan. Yeah, so like I was saying, Carrie, um, I thought what Matt 
declared in his speech was positive about um, changing the scheduling um, so there's not a concrete date. Um, what was your feelings about that part of his statement? That was really curious to me. Um, it concerns me in a way, like the release schedule has been off the hook this past year. I mean, they're pushing out major releases, it seems, just or they did, uh, which was awesome because it kept, you know, pushing the software forward. And the bright side, or the, excuse me, the downside to that was if you um, imagine, you know, you teach some aspect of WordPress. Well, every time you, there's an update to WordPress, you have to go back and change some stupid screenshot in your course or, or whatever to match the updated version of WordPress. So there's the, the, the impact of all those, uh, updates trickles out into the community of uh, product developers and product supporters that have to then go update their stuff uh, to match. So the flip side of that with now uh, no scheduled releases means maybe we get a break and our tutorials can stay relevant for a, <laughs> for a longer period of time. Uh, so that's, that's the silver lining. Um, but the, the part I guess that concerned me was Matt putting back on his his coding hat and stepping back into that lead development role, uh, and and now we don't know what really cycles are are, are going to be. There is, it just kind of created maybe more of a shroud of mystery over it. Uh, that's not very, a very in depth analysis, but uh, that that was my first takeaway from that. No, I think it's. Um, I, I'm more a little bit more um, upbeat and uh, about the fundamental change. But on the other part, with Matt actually putting on his developer and being a lead, I've publicly stated that I I feel you know what that I don't. I just really don't see that as an effective use of his um, time resources. Be quite truthful about it. But is who am I? to criticise the great Matt. Uh, um, um, and he wouldn't listen to a word I've got to say anyway, So, and r rightly as well. Uh, um, but um, I would have thought um, time is a, a very precious thing for him at the present moment. But I saw it slightly more... Um, I saw a lot of people kind of... Not exactly complaining, but you could see they were under stress with a with the set time and having to get something out. Um, and if the kind of increasing usage goes the way that Matt states that you would like to see, that could only increase, really. So I think something had to give, really, and that's why they did it. But that's I might be totally wrong there. Is there anything else that you um, heard... Um, recently that you thought was really positive in the WordPress community and uh, WordCamp US? No, it's all gone to hell in a handbasket. Gone basket. to the dogs, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think overall uh, I was glad to see the REST API, uh, mm. or at least the portion that's done so far, uh, rolled into 4.7. And then uh, – uh, I recently saw on, I think it was on the Make uh, WordPress site, that 
there's going to be an effort to support WPCLI moving forward, uh, mm-hmm. that that project won't just fall off and languish. That was, I think, great news for developers. Uh, I don't know. Anything, anything specific? No, I think you covered, you covered the things. Um, another thing I would like to ask you, I think um, Genesis with Beaver Builder, with the, um, we had them on the show a, a few weeks um, before Christmas and the New Year, and I really feel Beaver Builder with combining with Genesis has really re-energised the Genesis community in some ways. Would you agree with that basic statement? And um, I think it's a fantastic combination, Beaver Builder and Genesis, really. I think it is a it's a fan, yeah it is a fantastic combination. I love both products, uh, and I like using them together. Um, I. I think it's cool that a lot of, um, and of course, you know, Beaver Builder is cool without Genesis too, but it, it does work really nicely with it. But there's been so many third parties uh, coming out with little Beaver Builder add-ons or uh, or module, uh, additional modules that um, it's cool to see that. I think there's a lot of excitement around that product. And the guys behind it are so freaking amazing and like welcoming the input of anybody that wants to uh, wants to contribute, so it's cool. But do you think it's kind of also regenerate, re-energize interest in the Genesis framework in general and brought new people in? That I don't know. I really I can't say that I've I've seen some talk of Beaver Builder over in like the Genesis forums, but I don't know that I've seen what you're describing. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just means I haven't seen it with my own eyeballs. No, you've got to say how you see it. But I, I feel it has really re-energized a lot more interest in the Genesis framework because um, you're combining two really fantastic products. And one of the things about Genesis was that um, there was a bit of a learning curve before you could do any kind of effect, any kind of reasonably... C- effective customization to some extent um learning about the filters and hook um going to your course or need.com for assistance of course uh um, but there was a bit of a learning curve wasn't there carrie uh yes there was a, a huge learning curve and i came into genesis not really knowing wordpress uh so the concept of um of hooks and filters at first, I just thought that was a Genesis thing. And then I realized, no, it's a it's a WordPress thing, and Genesis has its own little subset or edition of uh, of those code snippets uh, to maneuver around their framework. But um, there was definitely a learning curve. But it's like, man, once you get it, it's just like all the little puzzle pieces fall into place in your brain, and you can. Uh, John, I know you develop with Genesis. Like, it just makes things go so much freaking quicker. It doesn't actually. I, I probably know more about. Genesis. Oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. Forget that. I know. I'll probably have no, used it more than John. You actually. Start, John. Um, but um, oh, that's cool. No, but um, so what would you say um, about um, somebody learning the Genesis, um, going to utilize it, and wanting? to utilize it as their main development tool um have you got any um insights on um resources apart from your great your great courses that can help them um 
in that road to Genesis knowledge? <sighs> I would say, and this doesn't necessarily just apply to Genesis, but to programming in general. One, don't be afraid to break things. Um, but two, clients' live sites. <laughs> not on your live site. Not on your live site. Develop locally, right. and then break things. Right. Um, don't do but, what I, don't do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> understand, like get curious about the code itself and what it does. So it's fine to use snippets that you find around the web or whatnot, but instead of just blindly copying and pasting, like uh, really seek to understand what's going on behind that. Because once you get that. Down, like that's the key to unlocking yeah, everything I think, else. I generally think that's great. If I, I think spending an additional um, 10, 15 minutes just trying to understand it a little bit more deeper in the long term, you get enormous benefit from that. Absolutely. Any other resources? Definitely. Any other resources? Oh, Drink, man. scotch, whiskey. <laughs> uh, I One of the best ways of learning for me was to take um, an existing theme from Studio Press, and I bought their developer Pro Pack way during the way back during the day, so I had access to all their themes. Uh, but to take apart a theme, sort of piece by piece, and like let's say that it, it, the theme had a parallax feature, uh, well, I go digging through to find okay, what are the components that make that parallax feature work, and how can I replicate that over in, in another theme? So I was almost kind of like Frankensteining themes uh but i think picking picking them apart uh like have your code editor here have the theme up in, an, in another window like a like a live site or i mean a local development site um and then remove a line of code and go back to your, refresh your browser and see what broke uh and just do that all the way down and under, uh, you'll start to understand oh okay this part of the code controls that part of the page uh and the the dots sort of come together so i guess same thing i said before really is just sort of digging in and uh trying to understand what the code does um another question you know there have been some people in the genesis um training environment that have um contributed a lot lesson wise and then they've put it behind a firewall and then they've a substantial part of that um, um, knowledge you've got to pay a membership have you been tempted to go down that path yourself um, I have toyed with the idea of putting content behind a paywall uh, not necessarily the Genesis tutorials because I think uh, like Shridari, he's always he's already killing it at that. I I love what he's doing with that, uh, and not that there you couldn't put some competition to it, but I I don't really have any interest in that. But uh, some other sorts of content, yes, I would love to experiment with with paid content. It just I mean, probably won't be code yeah, snippets. Seems a great guy. I haven't actually spoken to him. At some stage, you might have him on the show. That would be a good idea. Um, but um, maybe you can introduce him to us, Kerry. I would love um, to. Uh, um, but, you know, he got a bit of flack also. Surprise, surprise, surprise for that decision. Um, I thought it was very, extremely unfair because, you know, the guy's got to make a living. He can't keep knocking out all this stuff for free and and feed his family. But um, he did. But I think it is a bit difficult to get a the right balance, isn't it, of what you're going to offer for free and what you're going to charge? Got any 
is that something you've been thinking about? You got any insights about? Uh, yeah, I think this goes back to the question that John asked earlier. And, you know, when you, people have to trust you and know that you know what you're talking about before they're going to give you money. Well, that's, generally. Me, that's me finished. <laughs> Unless you have a killer <laughs> landing page. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think that if you just pop up overnight with, you know, paid tutorials and nobody knows your name or, or you haven't contributed to, uh, a, a contributed to the WordPress project or contributed to uh, the Genesis framework. Like if people don't know who you are, they're probably not going to spend money with you. Um, so I think there is that and Shadar did this beautifully. He spent, uh, at least a year may probably more, uh, answering people in the forums, just giving away knowledge and came to be seen as an expert. And then once he had that authority, he flipped the switch over into, into paid content. So I would recommend before somebody goes that route to actually start building an audience with, uh, with free value and then, you know, later on monetize it. I don't know. People may disagree with, with that because it's not a, a get rich overnight scheme, but <laughs> it's worked for me. Not, so, not getting rich overnight, not that part. Well, I, I never got the impression. I, I got the impression that you want a reasonable living and to have the financial freedom so you can do the things you want to do. Would that be a, a correct summary? Absolutely. I There's a saying that I don't know if it even makes any sense, but do you want to live to work or work to live? Uh, and I'm definitely a work to live mentality. Uh, I don't need a mansion. I don't need, uh, you know, an 18 car garage. There's nothing wrong with those things. And I'm sure I'd probably enjoy them if I had them, but really I'd rather make a comfortable living uh, enough that if I want to not take on a project that doesn't interest me, I have the flexibility to say no. And if I want to take a week's vacation, I can do that. Well, <laughs> so no, I think well, it's uh, you're, you're, yeah, just you're, earning enough to, to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, I think we've got very similar views. And I think John is the same. You know, that's why I started WP Tonic and I invested over a year plus before I um, re-aimed re it at uh, maintenance and support because... I thought, you know, um, I would have to develop a voice in the WordPress community to give me some um, form of um, authority, not um, or credibility. That's the word I, I was looking for, um, and it's all been downhill since, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> just shows you could be totally wrong actually uh, um, but no no but um it, it certainly isn't um easy is it kerry you really when you go down this path it's a real long-term commitment isn't it it is uh but you know like i mentioned earlier i sort of came in through the back door none of this was my intention it's just i knew some html i knew some css i started learning wordpress and found people would pay me to do it <laughs> and then from there uh you know all these uh evolutions have have come about but i didn't you know wake up one day and think i'm gonna start a blog and build an audience and make affiliate revenue uh you know those those things just sort of happen as your in my opinion opinion as you're just doing the work and doing good work, uh, those other things, other opportunities come about. 
Well, I think we're we're coming to the end, folks, of um, the podcast. We're we're going to carry on the discussion, and you'll be able to see that on the WP Tonic website and YouTube channel. We'll probably continue the discussion for another ten minutes with Kerry, the Queen of Genesis, in this long-winded interview. That was all my fault, but no, I think Kerry's enjoyed it. So I think we'll go for a break. Um, end in part, John. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. And I want to remind people too, uh, we're seeing, you know, people uh, leave reviews. We totally appreciate that. We're aiming for triple digits. So if you want to leave a detailed review on iTunes, that helps other people find this podcast. And so if you're getting value from this podcast, we appreciate it. You can also leave comments on our blog. We have that enabled now. Uh, So definitely we want to hear your feedback. Uh, And like Jonathan said, go to the corresponding website. you know, episode on the website for bonus content. Uh, and with that, uh, how can we get a hold of you, Carrie? Uh, Twitter is probably the place I most hang out. That's at C Dills, uh, Dills with just one L. And then over at CarrieDills.com is uh, my blog and uh, way to get in touch and all that good stuff. Right on. And Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Very similar, folks. Um, go to my Twitter. Um, at Jonathan Denwood. There's only one Jonathan Denwood. And um, I, I do, uh, I've been a bit more proactive in um, talking to people on there and pushing the shows. Or you can email me at Jonathan at wp tonic.com and or go to the website. I'm very similar to Carrie, really. Great. And you can find me on my website. It's lockdowndesign.com. You can also find me on Twitter, lock follow my facebook page uh just slash lockdown design all one word and with that uh want to tell you uh be sure to tune in on our saturday shows uh, we have roundtable discussions each saturday uh i think we're doing them at 9 a.m uh now and a little bit earlier yeah but and, and definitely we've got a, like a, a, a big lineup uh, coming this month, so be sure to tune in to our next interview episode. Uh, we've got tons of great people lined up. Jonathan's done a great job booking the show. So uh, with that, we'll see you later. Hasta la vista. And get your WP Tonic Merson every week, folks. See you later. Bye. Catch your <laughs> Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.